0: Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Now, I don't know if it will be discernible on the microphones or not, so I think it's important for us just to come out that uh, we are starting ridiculously early today. And I blame yeah. Tim. So there you go, Tim. This is me blaming you.
1: Uh, well yeah that that's fine, Ern. You know, that that whole fifteen minutes of beauty sleep you're not gonna get, I'm sure it's gonna kill you.
0: You know, I'm
2: gonna be so out So if this episode sucks because we don't have the energy, it's all Tim's fault.
1: Well, I'm
0: just gonna put it out there that I'm gonna be out in the world amongst people. The world needs me to have my beauty sleep, Tim.
3: Uh. So mm, no, let's let's not talk. Talk like Aaron isn't an old man who wakes up at four thirty a.m. every morning. Anyway, I'm gonna need you to eat me, Paul, because <laughs> he's got a you know he's got a pee because of that, that <laughs> no, tiny no, ser- old man bladder. Seriously, yeah. right, right here, Paul, eat me. Okay.
1: <laughs> How are the egg futures, Aaron? As long as you're up? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't go to bed till late last night. I, I went to bed at two. And it was hard getting up this morning.
3: Aaron, why'd you go to bed t- so late last night?
0: Uh, I was up late reading Cer- *Cerebus the Aardvark*, 67-page free <laughs> comicsology comic, and,
3: and yet we didn't put it on the outline. Oopsie. What? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so, I, so *Cerebus*, uh, High Society Number One, 67 pages, free. On comicsology,
0: yeah, you know the the I don't know if if anybody here on the mics is a fan, but I, I just absolutely love Cerebus the Artwork. You know, it's a it's a riff on Conan, and 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 is uh, you know produced by David Sim. Um, I, it's something that I. I really enjoyed in comics, you know, through the 80s, and it hasn't been available digitally, you know. Well, not legally digitally. And, uh, you know, Comixology has the first two issues of the High Society arc, which is huge and long. Um, To that point, the first 67-page comic is absolutely free on Comixology, and issue two is already out there. And I don't know what the release schedule is, but, uh, you know, the second issue is only 99 cents.
2: Yeah, in case anyone hasn't heard, Comixology has been doing their countdown to 100 million downloads. Yeah, which and they hit. They hit that last yeah. night. The uh, The magic 100 millionth download was Bill Williams Pantheon number three, something I've never even heard of.
0: <laughs> well, I, it, they have had a ridiculous number of sales on Comixology over the last week. I mean, Paul and I have
3: both just bankrupted ourselves buying Green Arrow. <laughs> no, no joke. That was crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that they put on some crappy Spider-Man comics, because when I first saw a Spider-Man sale, I was like, oh, son of a bitch. Seriously? <laughs> and then I realized it was the other storyline and all the Civil War stuff when he was Iron Spider. So I, I was OK with that. Is that what the other storyline is? Is it, is it about him being Iron Spider?
0: No, no. The other was when he died. When who died? Spider-Man. Spider-Man died?
2: Yes. And then he happen? went into a cocoon. And then he came out with organic webbing and the uh, and the spike like uh, Scarlet Spider has. And then uh. they forgot about it.
3: Uh. Correct. It was uh, written by Peter David and JMS. And uh, I don't remember who the other writer was. But it wasn't all that good. It
0: was like a 12-part story they made a big hype out of. I remember, I remember the comic book covers, but that was back in the period in which I wasn't reading Spider-Man. So, okay, well, it's nice to know that I successfully avoided that.
3: Yes. And, uh, you know, I uh, I tried, Aaron. I did try to read Cerebus, I'm not going to lie. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, but I just – I only got a couple pages in. And I'm like, wow, this is – I don't know if it's not my thing or if it's just really heavier than I was in the mood for. You know, I think that they – if you're not somebody who has
0: previously exper- experienced Cerebus, it's probably not a good jumping in point,
3: you know, because re- it's the second volume, which was very confusing for me because I was I was hoping for a little bit more of an introduction than, "Hey, I'm Cerebus, and I speak in the third person."
0: Well, and you know the uh, the the earlier stories of Cerebus are just really him going around kicking ass and you know being sarcastic and disagreeable, and they're a lot of fun. Um, and I think that they may, there there's might have been a mistake in not releasing some of that beforehand to introduce people like yourself who maybe have not experienced him before because you know there there was a lot of um, satire about the comics industry of the time and so you know there's some parroting of you know Batman and, and and whatnot in those books and those are are, are really a great deal of fun it get, the the book tends to get a little bit more. Um, uh, wordy and uh, intellectual the more you move into like the the arc like high society so you know it's it's a, it's a little dense i would say you know it, and it's you, know, you you read a book about <clears throat> you know a uh, barbarian ardvark you actually want to see him doing stuff other than you know talking to a bunch of people
3: but, yeah and that's where it started and i just I, i'm i'm going to give it another shot because mm-hmm. you highly recommended it i just it, it did not tickle my fancy at first, and the, the, the pickle was not tickled. <laughs> um,
0: well, and the important thing to note about that sixty-seven page issue is that that's not sixty-seven pages of comic. There's a whole lot of like letter page stuff in there. I mean, what they did is they took the the original item and scanned it in. Um, so there, you know, you've got probably twenty pages of comic, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff in it, you know, sketch pages and that yeah. kind of thing.
2: So even the other big sale they had was uh, the Walking Dead mm-hmm. one. Just you know, leading up to the new episode. Yeah. I almost broke down and bought like all of the trades because the trades are four ninety nine each.
3: Hmm. Just
2: in have them in digital form.
3: It it's still tempting, because I think the sale's still going on. Yeah, At it's on until
2: t- yeah. Yep. Until the fifteenth, so <clears> the people <throat> listening to this are already too late.
3: Yeah. So but there is uh, you know, Comic Solid did make a pretty big announcement this weekend. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. I think it's called Comicsology Submit. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it's basically a digital comics company to which you can submit your comics and they will, you know, you can submit them, I think in PDF format and they will, you know, release them in a guided view format and everything uh, through Comixology, through the Comixology app. Um, right now they are not offering the ability to do free comics, but, you know, basically if it, you know, they, they do have an approval process. They're not just going to do everything. Right. But yeah, I mean, it, it's like <clears throat> you can make a comic and release it digitally through comiXology and, you know, make money off of it. You know what's interesting to me about that hmm. is that as the creator, you're not the guy
0: who is applying the guided view. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And I, I think that's how they manage it with the larger comic book companies as well. Which you is know, probably
3: why some of them are so poorly done.
0: Exactly. I mean, I really do think that needs to be part of the creator process, so that, like an infinite comic, you know, you can really uh, make those transitions dramatic. because you know, I've seen, particularly in some of the DC books, like uh, uh, Batwoman, for instance, where the the artwork is so uh, unusual to the page. Instead of it being, you know, right angles and whatnot on the panels, they're you know very you know, hundred and eighty degree arcs to the angles. Those don't transition well, and I think that you really need somebody who understood the way the story was structured to be able to guide that transition. So I, I, it's disappointing to me that they don't allow the creator to do that. You know, my thoughts to the announcement? Hey, Jake,
3: guess you busy? <laughs> yeah, time to, time to start kicking off that Kickstarter. Just saying. <laughs> I um, I'm excited about it. I mean, yeah. I got to be honest. Probably ninety percent of the stuff is going to suck. But I think this is a good avenue for people who, you know, getting into comics isn't as easy as you think. I mean, even if you're talented. So, uh, but so I think I, it's ridiculously difficult and almost impossible.
2: So you see, it's not that easy. It's not as easy as ridiculously difficult and impossible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so so what does is, what does is Apple take? They take thirty percent off the top, right? Yeah. And so the remaining, you know, seventy cents or you know, seventy percent, I guess, uh, is split between Comicsology and the creator. And I think isn't that a two-way split?
3: Correct. I think yeah. the, I think if I remember correctly, it uh, it's a fifty percent split. Yeah. On uh, on these, and you know what? And I, a lot of people aren't going to give a shit. Well, just you know, to get their stuff out there. Absolutely. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tell
0: people right now the magic price is ninety nine cents. Yeah. Don't think you're gonna go out there and sell your indie piece of crap for two ninety nine. The magic <laughs> number is ninety-nine cents.
3: You know what the problem with indie pieces of crap is that they're not two ninety nine. Typically they're regular sized comics in black and white, and they still charge like three fifty, four dollars, yeah. five bucks for them. Yeah. You know, because they're trying to make their money back and then some. And it's like, you know, unfortunately, at least with that first issue, you're gonna to have to lose a little money yeah. to get well, people in.
0: Well you probably yeah, at the least need is they to- can't buy in bulk. Well, but in, in the digital format, you know what they really need to do is they need to have five issues if it's a, if it's a, a mini series or something. First issue needs to be free. Remaining issues is ninety nine cents. And yeah. I wonder how Comicsology is going to address that because you know you can leverage a, a a a Marvel series or a DC series. You know, if you give the first issue away free, you're going to sell a lot of number two, right? But you don't necessarily have that uh, that leverage with some somebody
3: that's an unknown. True. But well, I mean, they like I said, you can't give away the first issue. It has to, They don't have a, a zero point. You have to have at least a 99-cent price right. point. And you know what? 99-cent first issues? I, 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 I would still give something a try with a 99-cent first issue. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's going to be great, uh, and uh, I look forward to perhaps taking advantage of it myself. We'll see. Yeah.
1: So who gave Arrow a try?
3: I did. Yeah, a big yeah. week for comic fans. Uh, Arrow started this week on Wednesday. On the CW, first episode, Green Arrow. Uh, what would you guys think? Crickets. Nobody?
2: I, I don't think anybody wanted to be the first one to go, so I'll go first. I loved it. I wasn't expecting much. I was expecting to hate it. I wasn't even the one that said it to record. My wife said it to record because she was curious because she liked the uh, the Green Arrow character from Smallville. Uh-huh, even yeah. though she didn't like anything of the Smallville for the last couple seasons. That's why she tuned in, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> So we were yeah you know, so we watched it together on Wednesday after it was done recording cuz I don't watch anything live. I I'm not watching commercials. And I was completely blown away. I was expecting something that was cheesy and it was a much darker show than I thought it would be. Yeah, much
0: darker than I thought it was going to be.
2: Green Arrow has no problem snapping a guy's neck or killing them with arrows. Uh-huh. These are all bosses. yeah it was I was really blown away I was it was much much better than I expected does it have some problems still yeah but it was the pilot episode I think this is going to be a show that gets much better as it goes on
1: okay so I I did um, I didn't watch it on Wednesday because Survivor was on but I caught it on the CW website I was able to watch it there Um, I I, kind of echo Wayne's statement there's a lot of good stuff there I want to bring up something that kind of bothers me. I don't, and I think they're going to explain it, but the moment he gets on the boat, he's got a thirst to be this, this night of vengeance basically. And I'm like, wouldn't you just want to be like the scene where he was sleeping at home with the windows open and it was raining that I would have expected from somebody who had been on a deserted Island by himself for five years.
2: You know, and that was a great scene. I don't think he, the Island was deserted. So if you'll notice in one of the early scenes when he's getting ready to leave the island, Slade Wilson's mask right. was hanging on a spike there. Right. He wasn't alone on that island. There were. We're going to see more flashbacks of what happened. Somebody on that island trained him, and he had to deal with things there besides just surviving alone.
1: I just had a problem with him going from Jump Street to, to uh, <laughs> Vigilante. Right. And there and, wasn't a lot of exposition.
2: Now yeah, they could, I could agree with that, but I think they're going to explain it.
1: I, I think so too. It's just when you when you take your the pilot in and of itself, it was a little ridiculous.
0: I uh, there's a lot I'm forgiving of it because it was the pilot, but I, 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 like like Wayne and Tim, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed the darker aspects of it. The fact that uh, you know Oliver Queen killed a man for seeing him (laughs) you know i've got to protect my secret identity snap his neck i mean uh, i I, that was that was pretty dark you know uh now granted the guy was trying to kill him but you know uh it was pretty dark what i dislike is some of the technical aspects of the show it's very cw the these scenes are all shot you know uh with this hyper beauty to it, everybody is gorgeous on the show. Um, the I, I, there is just that element that you know there's a lot of high fashion going on. Uh, I just wish it was a little bit more uh, gritty in the in the in the textures. and
3: i'm I'm hoping that kind of works itself out. See, and I didn't mind that. To be honest with you, I, I've, that's like the fourth time I said to be honest with you. This time, this uh-huh. podcast already. I didn't mind that. I just, I, and I'm glad they didn't set it in a high school or college.
0: Oh, I these are th- adults, right? I am thrilled that it is not a teeny bopper show. Though I do think the the age of the characters are a little are skewed a little young. Yeah, I don't disagree. But you know, I understand the demographic they're going for, so I mean, I'm not I'm not going to fault
2: yeah. it for that. But from an actor standpoint, I had a really hard time with the uh, the main police officer they have in the series because the moment he sits down, i my Dresden. mind is immediately jumping <laughs> to why is Harry Dresden there? Yeah, yeah. And my Paul wife has problem.
1: Paul says to be honest, because that means he's taking it off a default of dishonesty that he usually keeps. it. Up. Well,
3: you the know, sister. Paul is liar man. It's kind of like when Andrew has to do his uh, reflexes, reflexive telekinesis. He has to say it first. Uh, like me. I, I have, have to, to say, th- man, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. He has to turn on his th- honesty.
1: Does anyone else think Oliver Queen banged his uh, his cleaning lady once? Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. yeah. And, and really, why wouldn't he? <laughs> um, just you know, she's a woman in your
3: room. Why wouldn't you do that?
2: So what did everyone think of the end of that episode? It was exactly
3: what I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah. It's it, that's and I gotta be. Oh God, why do I keep saying it? It was um. similar to what I thought, only a different character.
1: Yeah, I'm with Wayne.
3: I, I don't know. I think everyone, it's gonna be one of those shows, and that it bugs me shows like this, where everyone other than the lead guy is a villain, right? <laughs> and I think that's what they're doing. Like, okay, so spoilers on, you know, it's revealed his mom is a bad person. Well, I'm sure it's going to be revealed that her new husband's a bad person Well, and, and his sister's on drugs
0: and blah, 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 blah. I think all that means is that he is going to have to spank his mother
2: <laughs> and his sister <laughs> to get her to stop doing drugs.
0: Because, you know, I, I do think that that's going to be one of the fights he gets in was when a super villain says, dude, I'd totally tap your mom because, uh-huh. you know, his mom is crazy hot. Just saying. <laughs> and and wouldn't it, wouldn't it
1: be interesting if the step, Dad wasn't a bad guy. I don't think yeah. he is. I don't think
0: stepdad is a bad guy. I don't that, think he is either.
3: Yeah. I don't it's, think he is, but I don't know. It just seems like one of those shows where eventually it's going to be revealed he was behind it all or something.
2: No, I, I thought don't, for sure that his best friend was a bad guy until uh, near the end of the episode.
1: His best friend is going to be a bad yeah, guy.
2: Yeah, I agree.
3: He is a bad. It's Merlin. dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's um. I think the the killing people. I think that's going to eventually go away. I, I think it's he starts that way, you know, Don't you quickly.
1: say that, Paul? <laughs> I think he starts that coming
3: out of the island, but eventually he'll get like a code of ethics or something. I, I I when he snapped that guy's neck I'm like, Wow. Yeah. But I think that was meant to shock and I think eventually he'll come out of it and say, you know, no, I need to be better than that, blah 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 blah. That would be
1: less interesting. <laughs> One thing um, I
3: didn't like was the uh the
2: preview for the next episode. I don't like the look of Black Canary.
3: The hair seems over the top. Are you sure that's supposed to be Black Canary? That's not Black Canary. His girlfriend is Black Canary. Uh-huh. You don't think that was her? I don't think that's no. Black Canary. No, I think that was just some random yeah. other chick. But or, but yeah, Black Canary. His girlfriend's name is Dinah Laurel Lance. Yes.
2: That's why I thought that was going to be her in the uh, the preview because it looked like it looked like it was her in a really big hideous wig. Maybe it's Lady Shiva. I don't know.
3: I I didn't think it was her.
1: Wow! If that if that's the lawyer chick, this show is is jumping the shark. At issue two
3: at an early like a, step.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a public defender. I'm a vigilante too. No, <laughs>
3: that'd be ridiculous. Who does that, Matt Murdock? Nobody. <laughs> All right. So, uh,
1: New York Comic Con news came out. Uh, I'm going to throw this one to Paul because he's the big Superman uh, Squee fanboy. Yeah, the- So there was a new announcement about uh some creative teams on the new Superman books ball.
3: Yes, you know, the news is just rolling out of Comic-Con, but what's funny about it is most of it came out the day before Comic-Con cuz everyone's trying to beat everyone with their big announcements. Um you know, you had announcements like the new Spider-Man book and And uh, some of the ones we're going to talk about here today, including the big Superman announcements. Um, We already knew Grant Morrison was leaving Action Comics, I believe, with issue 17. Yay! (laughs) And uh, coming on with issue 18 is uh, the creative team of Andy Diggle. He wrote The Losers and uh, Green Arrow Year One um, with art by Tony Daniel from Detective Comics. Great artist, not a great writer. So glad he's on art. Um, And they're going to be taking over Action Comics. Also, that is, that is a pretty exciting announcement. Yeah, it's it's a. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I love Andy Diggle. Yeah, I, I've never read an Andy Diggle. Well, Andy Diggle did do a daredevil run that I wasn't fond of. Right. Um, but I do generally like his stuff. Uh, and Tony Daniel, I think he's a good artist. And the preview art they show with Superman's uh, new costume, the black costume. Yeah, which ties into the last page of Superman Number Zero. Right. Uh, it, it it shows Superman in a black costume on Krypton. So I think we're going to kind of see that story unfold in the Andy Diggle run on Action Comics. See, I'm not
2: excited about it because I don't think I've ever read anything he's written. I'm excited that Grant Morrison's
3: gone because I can things that he's written. Well, I'm excited about it because one of the, if you read interviews with him he talks about what he loves about the character and he loves the characters you know iconic nature he loves that he's good-hearted and good-natured and you oh, know all, all
2: that's all like, the things that are missing in the new 52 yeah. and you he's know he's lost he talks the of, iconic
3: nature he's lost the being human yeah everything he talks about he talks about characteristics that are all pre-new 52 superman and he those are what he likes about the character and i'm like well clearly you haven't been reading superman lately <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, oh, now and, I'm excited. This guy might fix things. Well, not only that. you know, That's the same way Scott, Scott Lebdell talks about it. And that's also the way Scott Snyder talks about Superman. And Scott Snyder and Jim Lee are teaming up to do um, a new Superman book. It's not titled yet, but the rumored title is Man of Steel. Um, so a third ongoing Superman title. And uh, that one is – I'm super excited about that one. What excites yeah. you about it, Paul?
2: I'm excited about Jim Lee doing the art because Jim Lee does some really good Superman art. I disagree.
3: <laughs> I'm excited about the, I am excited about the Jim Lee art, especially <laughs> since he has, at this point, almost a year of lead time. Because the book probably won't be out till middle of next year. Um, and Scott Snyder, he's quickly turning into one of my favorite comic writers. I mean, not I, just from Batman, but I love his other stuff as well.
0: Yeah, Scott Snyder's fantastic, and I'm excited to hear about Scott Snyder uh, writing Superman. I'm less excited to hear about Jim Lee drawing Superman, because I just don't think he's very good. Um, I think he is, he is technically a, a good – let's call him a draftsman. I don't consider him an artist. He uh, I think there's very little art to what he does. He uh, he he draws a technically fine person. I just don't see a lot of passion in his art. You know, you you have these great heroic poses and whatnot, but I don't think he composes a page nearly as well as somebody like Javier Pulido. What Superman's really missing right now
2: are those great heroic poses, too. That's one of the reasons I'm happy to see him come on board.
0: Yeah, but the heroic poses need 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 to come from a story. Uh, and right now, you've not gotten that. I mean, you know, come on. Everything that, that has happened since issue one of the new 52 has been crap in, in Superman and action comics. Yeah, but I believe the writers, not the artists. Hey, that's my point is that, you know, you there, there's really no point in drawing some great heroic
3: pose if there's not a story there to support it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Scott Snyder later on in the program the program of the show <laughs> but I, I, <laughs> um, we're NPR thank you for listening to NPR National Public Radio um, but I feel that Scott Snyder does I'll give his artists some creative um, some creative layouts to do I mean you you, you see great what Greg Capullo is doing on uh, Batman I am I, excited for what Jim Lee can do with Man of Steel especially with Scott Snyder as the writer I think he just needs to be teamed up with the right writer who's really going to push him. And I think that's what we're going to see. Okay. (laughs) You disagree. (laughs) I I, I just – you know,
0: I think that Jim Lee is paired up with Jeff Johns right now on Justice League. And I don't Mm -hmm. think his Justice League work is very good.
3: And I agree with that. But I also think Jeff Johns – and I love Jeff Johns writing. But I don't think Jeff Johns pushes his artists that much. I think Jeff Johns is a technically proficient writer, and he writes some really good stories. But, I mean, I I think – If you look at the stories, I don't think they call for a lot of different visual flair. I think most of that comes from the artist, not the writer. So let me ask you this, Paul.
0: Yes. Because I don't think I've ever read a story that Jim Lee illustrated that I felt like, wow, that was amazing on the illustration. I think there are some great poses and splash pages, but I don't think they're, they're, they're necessarily artistically driven. So tell me this. Who is a writer who has pushed Jim
3: Lee? <sighs> Your mom. It, yeah. <laughs> no. um, you know, I think... And you're, you guys are going to disagree with me, but I think Brian Azzarello. I disagree with you. I hated – I hated the writing on For Tomorrow. Yeah, that was awesome. I think it is probably one of the most gorgeous Jim Lee books I've but, ever seen. I find that book passionless. See,
2: I like Jim Lee's Superman art. I don't like any time when he's working with uh,
0: Azzarello. Those two together produce books that I hate. Yeah, I did not – and, and and again – I understand why people like Jim Lee so much, but I just I feel like he I kind of equate him a lot to Neil Adams. While I really like Neil Adams' uh, art, I think his the stuff that he does in the, over the last 20 years has had really no art to it. you know there, there, there's no passion behind it, uh, and I, I find Jim Lee to be the same thing.:
1: So we just followed up a whole long talk in regards to digital comics with a whole long talk about superman so i went back to bed and uh (laughs) so let's talk about a guy that i actually like reading uh karen gillen so uh, karen gillen is apparently going to work on young avengers i don't know what young avengers is so young avengers
3: is a title that's um it's written pre, it's been written by Alan Heinberg, but you know, they've kind of been lost in the Marvel universe for a while. Yeah, they, um, they've been on the Children's head.
0: Crusade.
2: Yeah. <laughs> a couple of them have. Unfortunately, Young Avengers is one of those teams where they only bring them out right now when there's an event until you know, until this new book. It's like every time there's an event, we need a mini series to show what's happening with the Young Avengers.
3: Yeah, and so Kieran Gillen and um unfortunately I don't remember the artist's name, but it's the artist who joins – who uh worked with him on Phonogram, are getting together to do Young Avengers featuring Kit Loki, um, as well as a lot of the previously existing Young Avengers like Stature and um, Wiccan and Hulkling.
1: Out. I'm out. Young Loki uh, cannot save it from Hulkling and Wiccan.
3: I like Hulkling and Wiccan. I I do too. No, no, wait. Stature's dead. God. (laughs) I'm sorry. I meant Hawkeye. Stature's dead.
2: Well, I will give you that Hulkling is an incredibly stupid name, especially since he's actually just a scroll. He's scrolling, and I don't like the Wicked name either. But I do she like both characters. Trolling. Well, Wicked's original name was uh, Asgardian, but they changed he changed his name because someone advised him that when people find out he's gay, he probably won't want to use a name like Asgardian. Yes, that happened in the pages of
3: the book.
1: Oh, it's a I fair have this point. To
3: look forward to. <laughs> it's a fair point. Well, and keep in mind that was written by Alan Heinberg. You know, uh, Kieran Gillen is a very different writer yep. than Alan Heinberg. Um, and I'm excited. Uh, I, I, I love Kieran Gillen, and I'm glad he's going to continue writing um, Young Loki. And the artist, I'm sorry, is Jamie McKelvey. He's drawn some. Uh, some other stuff from Marvel before, but and you know, you, you, and it also has the protector on the team. The protector. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited about this book, and uh, I, I just, it, it's nice to know that kid Loki's going to be around, which is a bit of a spoiler after the everything burns storyline in Thor. Yeah. But I'll take it. Now, Paul, are you
0: equally as excited about Nick Spencer on the pages of Secret Avengers?
3: I'm curious about this. So the. Announced yesterday, or by the time you, you know, over this weekend at New York Comic Con, was that Nick Spencer will be doing a new Secret Avengers book? Um, because Marvel's just going to put Avengers in every title. That's right of of their books. Um, and the, the the difference on this is that it's a
0: Shield originated. Team of the Avengers.
3: Yeah, it's They're working uh, next, on their terms. With art by Luke Ross, uh, this new Secret Avengers team features Nick Fury Jr., um, who, yeah. if you haven't met, if you haven't, if you don't know who Nick Fury Jr. is, he's basically movie Nick Fury. Um, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Mockingbird, and. Agent Coulson, who has been brought into the ex- the Marvel Universe continuity. I would be a so, lot more
0: comfortable with this Nick Fury Jr. character if his name wasn't Nick Fury Jr. Uh, maybe Rick Fury. I am Rick Fury. <laughs> what do you think? I, I, like I kind of
2: agree I don't like the Nick uh, the Fury Jr. name. Yeah. I am excited about the sounds of the book, though, because that's a oh. team that, to me, Secret Avengers, that kind of fits.
1: There's gotta, not there's not a single character that that I think is worth a crap that he just listed. I love I'm sorry. Like that. Those those are terrible. Well, I, I don't I don't like any of those guys those people. I, I think it's an interesting
3: it. Yeah, I'm with you. And I I'm, and I think it's an interesting concept. So here's what it is. Thanks to the memory implant technology first seen in 2005 Brian Michael Bendis scripted series Secret War, nobody on this team actually knows they're on this team. <laughs> for members of the team, a specific Okay, never keyword- mind. I hate the idea now. <laughs> for members of the team, a specific keyword activates their programming when it's time for a mission. Once the mission is done, the same keyword wipes their memory.
2: Oh. Oh. No, 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 no. no. I, uh, I was sold on the book based on the team, and now I'm
0: completely and totally off. You know, I, I hate that idea. I think similar technology was employed with my first wife. So... <laughs> <laughs> She hilarious. wasn't actually aware she was in the marriage. <laughs>
1: like every time Hawkeye walks by the microwave when it's going off, he pees himself and forgets where he is for a half hour. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's going to be interesting. Now, I wish I, – I love Nick
3: Spencer, but I wish this book was written by um, Warren Ellis because he did a dynamite job with Secret Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would no, no. love to see him back on the title.
0: The Warren Ellis run was fantastic on Secret Avengers. The current run on Secret Avengers not so good. Hey, Aaron, sir,
1: do you keep Paul around just to troll me?
0: I do. Is, I
1: do. is that what, cause That's what's happening. Uh huh. Yeah, it's
0: just it's just a rattle your cage, Tim.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is what I get for starting the podcast early.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Paul, yes, um, I know that you are a goon fan. You know, Goon from Dark Horse Comics. Uh, I have to confess, I have never read a Goon comic.
3: You, sir, are incorrect. And
0: I've never felt the need to read one. Aaron? Why am I incorrect? Because I have never read the Goon.
3: I thought you were a big Goon fan. I am not a big Goon fan. I have actually never read the
2: Goon. (laughs) Really I, I think Aaron. I know where the confusion yeah. is here, Aaron. Paul is a big goon. That may be He's it. He's a good fan. He is a fan of things, and he is a big goon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but the, the, but the never the twain shall meet. Now, I've always wanted to read the goon, but I never have. It seems like a, a book that I would dig, but I've just never read it. Huh. Um, now, they've been trying to get a movie off the ground for years at this point. Um, but Paul just won't read the book. I just won't read the book, so no one will support yeah, it. That's what and, it and movie companies just haven't been picking it up. Um, the movie is going to be produced by David Fincher. and you know I've seen the they did like a sizzle reel that I mean it seems pretty interesting. It's you know a uh, uh, a supernatural noir crazy story. I mean it seems like a lot of fun and they've already cast Clancy Brown as the goon, the main character. Paul Giamattius is sidekick Frankie. Uh, it seems like something I would love. So, but the movie just can't get off the ground. So they have decided to do a Kickstarter. But here's the interesting part of the Kickstarter it is not to finance the movie, it is to finance a feature length story reel that they can then bring to Hollywood to give the complete look at the film and hopefully get the film picked up. I don't know what a story reel is. Yeah, uh, it's. Have you ever sometimes you see them as bonus features on movies where they show the the moving storyboards oh with the story the,
0: like like an animated storyboard
3: or yeah like animatics for the gotcha. entire film okay um now they're looking for four hundred thousand of which a quarter has already been um has already been gotten in two days i mean one day one day they've already gotten a quarter of that four hundred thousand dollars now let me tell you how I feel about this. I want to see a goon movie. I'm excited about it. Even though you haven't read a goon book, you need to see a goon movie. I don't need to see a goon movie. I would like to see a goon movie, even though I've never read the comic, because I I think the concept sounds interesting. But I feel like there's a huge misstep here. One, you're financing basically the possibility of there being a movie. right? And two, none of the um, pledge rewards – Actually, include a copy of the comic book. Huh. They're all like signed movie posters, T-shirts. Okay. Um, so, so at the ten dollar level,
0: you yeah. get their thanks. At the twenty-five dollar level, you get access to the Goon Film Production blog, which gives you some an insider look. At the fifty-dollar level, um, you'll get a PDF copy of the exclusive Goon Film pitch book. Okay. At $75, dollars we'll you get a special edition Goon Kickstarter T-shirt. Uh, these are
3: awful incentives.
0: Exactly.
3: Uh, these are terrible. And, and, and no point, at no point in there do you actually get a copy of the comic book. And I'm like, yeah. that just seems like it would be cheap to do. The comic's already done. You don't have to print up anything new. You can just give I, – I would have pledged $25 if it included – a copy of the original graphic novel, the first graphic novel. You know, at the $500 level,
0: you'll get an extremely rare and unique collectible, a full color print copy of the goon film pitch book.
2: In fairness, Paul, nobody
0: really cared about it enough
2: to buy the graphic novel. So
3: (laughs) why would they want to give it away for free too? Well, I think it's a, I think it's a decently popular graphic novel. I just think that how it's just, no one wants to put the money into a film.
2: Our it, completely yes. scientific sample of four people disagrees with you.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I mean, it's the comic's been around
0: for a while
3: now. It has I been mean, around
0: for a while, and I have never read it. I've and and read I got to tell you, it, because it interests me, not at all.
1: Yeah, so is cancer, but I'm not a fan of that either. <laughs> <laughs> And, and you
0: don't see a, a Kickstarter program out there for cancer, do you?
1: Yeah. Get cancer funded.
3: <laughs> well, if they give away a free graphic novel with it, maybe I would contribute. Everybody's against cancer. Let's support cancer.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> At $75, you get a free can- you get a cancer t-shirt.
0: <laughs> okay, so a little bit more news from New York Comic Con. This one I'm actually uh, pretty excited about. Uh, Matt Sturgis is going to be writing a Thor original ga- graphic novel. I'm pretty. I'm pretty psyched about that. Yeah.
3: So three new season ones. Even though you know we've. we've I haven't been... liked a single season one yet. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, you know they might get it out of the. They might knock it out of the park with one of these. Um, and or I know. Get it cool.
1: out of their system. One of the two.
3: Yeah. Uh, so Wolverine season one, Iron Man season one, and of course the one we're most excited about, Matt Frack, or Matt Sturgis. Ooh, I, I almost said fraction there. <laughs> that that, that would have been. That's like the eleventh commandment. Thou shalt not fraction. But do not um, fraction. <laughs> uh, is, Matt Sturgis is going to be doing Thor, season one original graphic novel. You know, continuity free origin story about Thor. I, uh, I,
0: I, you know, Matt Sturgis, having written, you know, so much in the Fables universe, and uh, he has written a, a, uh, a series of novels around, you know, fantasy characters. Uh, he's got some Dark Elves thing going on there. I, uh, I'm I'm excited about it. I think he's got a good take on that type of setting. I think that could be a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, I think I'm I'm definitely going to pick it up. And you know, what's great about these season one graphic novels is that they include digital copies. Yeah. As well. Um you know, what's interesting, Iron Man is coming out uh written by Howard Chakin. So I I'm, I'm I'm assuming we we will all expect horse sex and threesomes out of that one. Well, and I mean that's
0: really appropriate for a Tony Stark book. Yeah, you know. So he can just call it Black Kiss 3.
3: Yeah, the legend of Tony Stark. (laughs) Armor Wars. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Aaron, I'm with you. I will pick it up when it comes out sometime in
0: 2013. I'm just sad that there hasn't been a single season one novel that's been worth a damn.
3: And I haven't read all of them, but I have – but I think I read – I read at least three of them. Fantastic. I did Fantastic
0: Four, X-Men, and Daredevil, and all three were crap.
3: Yeah, I think those are the three I read as well. Yeah. Uh, maybe I read I, I read a preview of the Spider-Man one, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I did not care for it at all.
0: Yeah, no, they, they've just been horrible. They've just been horrible. But, you know, at the end of the month, Earth 1, Volume 2 of Superman.
3: Yeah, yeah you know, I didn't like the first one all that much, so we'll see.
0: I'm excited because, you know, there'll be past origin stories, so uh, I'm I'm really hoping it, it turns out to be pretty good.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna get it. Oh, I also read Hulk season one, which wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. But that was mostly because it was Fred Van Lente. I like Fred Van Lente. As do I. So you know what else I like, Aaron? What do you like, Paul? I like Batman number thirteen. Holy shit, that book was awesome. Batman number 13, the first part of Death of the Family, the big new Joker storyline, written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo. I think we all read this book this week.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, Let's just say that I have added another cover to my uh, possibilities for cover of the year.
3: Okay. I got the digital combo. Because basically, I read the pre- I read the the physical copy, and then I give it to my brother. I keep the the digital copy. Right. Um, did you get the die cut cover? I did. Uh, now same I here. bought Batgirl number thirteen specifically because it had the same die cut cover. Right. So I was able to get that that Joker <laughs> die cut mask thing.
0: I I, I got to tell you, I'm not big on com- cover g- gimmicks, but this cover was so appropriate to the story. You know, with uh, you know joker having had his fate cut off face fate face cut off in uh the the earlier storyline in, in in this volume of batman uh i just i, I thought this was a fantastic cover so yeah, I, I had I, an i had an
2: issue with the cover and it's not the art itself because the art is great and the concept is great i wish that the back advertisement covered the entire area of the back cover yeah because it made it more difficult to read going halfway in there, reading it in the physical form, it just didn't feel right. That needed to go the entire distance, and then it would have been even better.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that actually. Yeah, it was think, a little weird. Yeah, the, when you flip through the comic, it kind of stops right there. It's weird, but I I, I love this die cut cover, and I don't know if they're going to. I don't know if anything's going to surpass as far as cover. This, this specific because they're doing die cut covers for every Death of the Family issue right. um, of the different back characters, but I don't know if any are going to surpass this Joker face. Yeah, it, it was it's an
0: awfully nice cover. It really is. I'm just I, I was very thrilled about it, and it really supports a quality book on the inside. It's not just a gimmick. Uh, I, I think the book inside was just terrific. Yeah, I am such a huge Joker fan that. Uh,
2: I, I broke down and bought the book. I haven't been buying a Batman or reading it, but I couldn't pass up the Joker story, even though I had been bitter that I wanted this story to happen a year ago when they In first Detective
0: started Comics. it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But, oh, I was blown away by this as well. The writing, the art, everything about this was just so good, and it was such a Joker
0: story and it's uh, rather horrific. I mean, oh, yeah. there, there is a lot of tension in the pages of this book. Uh I, I thought they just did a masterful job of, you know, telling a visual story of really, you know, ramping up the stakes. I, I this book is just so good if you oh. have not read a Batman book in a long time and you need to read something good, pick this up. Batman 13 is a fantastic book. This, this and the very- Harley they say the Harley moments were very impactful.
2: But they don't quite fit with what's going on over in Suicide Squad with her. But yeah, who cares about a, this that. This is
1: a very this is a very good <laughs> book. I think it made one little misstep. And that is, and then the very last page. I'm not, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, mm. so J- Joker makes a surprise visit to somebody. Uh huh. You know that thing in his hand.
0: Uh huh.
1: Oh, it's not a crowbar.
0: Yeah, you know, I was thinking the same thing. That really should have been a crowbar,
1: especially with the dialogue. Yeah. yeah, I'm like. Why is it not a crowbar?
2: Yeah. Well, he was doing the opposite of everything that he said he was going to do, which is why I kind of took it. That's why it's not a crowbar. But I wanted
3: it to be a crowbar.
1: It had to be a crowbar because he says, "Stop!" If you've heard this one, that has to be a crowbar. <laughs> I'm like, oh.
3: Well, what's interesting is, and again, we're we're gonna not, um, we're gonna try not to spoil the ending because the ending did surprise me. Who he. Went after at the ending, right? Not because, me at all. I've called this for months. I know we did, but I mean, it's kind of interesting that he would go after this character. Uh, he has to know more than he previously knew to be able to oh, go yeah. after this character.
1: Absolutely.
3: Um, no, I, I, like Aaron said, I think this was a tense book, which is really hard to pull off. Yeah. I mean, you can pull off exciting action and stuff like that, but I mean, the scene in the police station at the beginning of the book with oh, Commissioner yeah. Gordon, yeah, that was a tense scene i uh, just and oh. the and the the backup story with uh, Harley oh god that was oh, oh
0: that was yeah. Har- yeah and you know the, the there's the scene with Harley and you know Harley's always been the you know the the fanciful you know uh crazy friendly kill ya <laughs> sidekick to the joker yo know, mr j and uh he's horrible with her I mean, he is just horrible with her. And there were there were times when I was reading that I was like, you know, I wonder if this shouldn't have been at the front of the book, if this shouldn't have been the prologue to what happened. Because, you know, there's, there's such a moment where you're like, oh, my God, did that actually happen that I think would have given you more uh, tension. And the reveal in the factory with Batman.
3: Yeah, I agree. But I think they, the only reason they didn't is because it shows his face. And they could have redone it to not show his face. I, I I agree. But I the agree. scene, like it, from the very first page, where she's like, "What do you want me to do?" And you hear him, and you don't hear him. I hear him because I hear Mark Hamill when I read <laughs> it. Um, Mark Hamill calls me every night and reads Batman to me. Um, when he says, yeah. "Take off your clothes," I'm like, "You just get this." Yeah. You just start cringing. Yeah. From then on. Yeah. Now, this book was
0: fantastic. Uh, Scott Snyder is one sick fuck. That's, that's what I'll say. Yeah.
2: Okay. That's what you need on this type of Joker I agree. I,
0: I, I'm i not going to buy every
2: tie-in. I'm not going to buy the Catwoman one or any of those. I am buying the Nightwing one, and I will buy all of the main issues of the storyline. Yeah.
1: I, I have to flip through Red Hood when it comes out, when the Death of the Family. I want to see that
0: I will too. I'll but not I'll put, actually I'll I'll buy it. You're gonna burn steal it. Man,
3: man, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, what I think was interesting um, was so another book came out this week related to the storyline. Batgirl number thirteen. And like I said, I picked it up just because it had the cover, and I'm glad it did. Um, written by Gail Simone, art by Ed Bennis. It's a prologue to Death of the Family. But only in that one or two pages <laughs> tie into it. And uh, it's at the very end uh, – Barbara Gordon's mom has been a, a, a character in this book, a recurring character in this book. And uh, basically her front door is broken open by three clowns dressed very similar to the clowns from Death of the Family – to, to, um, to the way Joker dressed in um, The Killing Joke. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it seems like Barbara and, and and one of them even has a camera around his neck. So I, I think that's how he's going to get to Barbara is through her mom, you know, doing this killing joke reenactment with her mom. Jeez. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be very very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely like wow wow because you I mean you the killing joke is one of the quintessential Joker stories and any reference to it just. Ugh. Well, I got to say, I mean, I know it's it, it's just the first
0: issue, you know, but I, I think that this is positioning itself to be a, a you know, important Joker story, you know, up there with the killing joke, up there with the man who laughs, you know, up there with, with all of those great books. I mean, and it, it could fizzle out and, and absolutely not be that, but it, it certainly has
3: all the makings of a fantastic Joker story. Yeah, can I say one thing before we move off of this story? No. Um, I'm going to say it anyway. All right. My favorite scene in Batman 13, in a book of great moments, in in the scene where Joker is stalking, po- um, you know, the police headquarters and Commissioner Gordon's looking for him. Joker's speaking from the shadows, and he says, "You do hide things like that last pack of smokes, the one yes. you hide in your oh, apartment." So creepy. <laughs> yeah. It, In that final hiding spot where Barbara won't look, where no one will, under your bed in the wire netting. Sometimes I lie under there at night and listen to you sleep. The sad things you say.
0: Isn't that the most awful thing you've ever read? (laughs) Yeah.
2: I have never been so creeped out at a Joker story as I have been in this one. And it was those panels where he's saying that it's like this in the last year, Joker is you know, however long it's supposed to have been storyline-wise. He has been stalking all of them.
3: Unbeknownst to them. I mean, under his bed. The police commissioner's bed. Yeah. Well, and now I'm always going to be wondering, is Joker under my bed? (laughs) I mean, that's just awful. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome book. And what was interesting is that Batman and Robin 13 came out this week. Yes, it did. Written by Peter Tomasi, uh, art by Pat Gleason, and uh, Thomas Giorello. And very much had references to the Death of the Family storyline, even though not an official tie-in. Right. So what do you guys think of this issue? Didn't read it.
0: I uh, – th- uh Yeah. <laughs> I, there was a uh, a panel that I that I very much enjoyed, and it was just Damien curled up on the floor of the Batcave with his dog. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's rare that we get to see Damien being a kid, and it was kind of kind of nice to see. Um, you also had some, some very nice moments between he and Bruce, you know, where, you know, he and Bruce hop in the bat rocket and fly up into space to just kind of check stuff out while the eclipse is going on. And, uh, you know, Damien thanks him for, for taking him on there and, and, you know, including him in that experience. So it's some kind of nice little, little moments with uh, Damien and Bruce.
3: Yeah, but the – the main story arc there's a lot going on there's the death of the family stuff yeah. there's reference to Damien being you know having a bounty on his head from his mom. then I guess that comes from uh, batman or Batman incorporated right so I mean it ties into I guess all the different Batman stories. but the main story about the zombies yeah, i couldn't care less I could care less, especially when they switched artists midway into the book
0: well, and the what the artistic switch was a problem because you know all of a sudden you go from ten year old Robin to seventeen year old Robin. Because I mean, the the guy who and who who's the artist who picks up in the middle Paul,
3: I think Thomas Giarello is the art. Well, let me. I, I'm pretty sure that's who it is. Uh, yeah, Thomas Giarello is the artist on pages 16 through 20. It's not even half the book. It's only the last quarter of the book, but it's a stark difference from it the is, first three.
0: It, quarters. it is, and I mean, he draws Damien so much older. I mean, he looks like a man. You know, yeah. I was like, "Is that is that Dick?" I mean, he he looks like a full grown man, and nothing. No, no, it's not Dick. We're
3: not talking about the Before Watchmen this week. <laughs> it's the Shack, Paul. <laughs> um, the
0: uh, he, it, he looks like a full grown man, and so yeah. it, it does not. With the exception of the clothes, he looks nothing like the other character. I,
2: I'm still hoping for a nice crowbar scene with Damien.
3: Well, we did get one already,
2: but I'm hoping no, for no. I mean, the other. Wait. no I, I like Damien I still I hate this character I flipped through the book and I still I just couldn't pick it up because I really hate Damien
0: I kind Damien's growing on me he's growing on me and I love you know, Damien. and I thought that the Pat Gleason pages of this book were were beautiful I really enjoyed the Pat Gleason pages did not care for the for the other artist
3: yeah the zombie storyline's just not connecting with me. Yeah. So I'm I, I hope I'm glad. It's, it seems like it's only going to be two issues, mm-hmm. because then it's going to tie into Death of the Family. Right. And uh, I, I'm, I'll be glad to see it go. Yep. Agreed. But jumping to the other side of the pond, Marvel released AVX Consequences this week, um, written by Kieran Gillen, a, uh, an epilogue to the events of Avengers vs. X-Men. And uh, we all read it. What would you guys think?
2: I'm kind of torn on it there's some parts of it i kind of liked. some parts of it i really hated i I don't i don't
0: have a strong hater or or like on it there was a panel that i particularly liked in this book and it is one of Wolverine's students who says you know when i grow up i'm going to teach guilt at the school some people need to understand guilt more and shame and i actually absolutely agree with that sentiment uh and i think it wholly applies to uh What's happened after uh, the Avengers X Men battle? Uh, you know, I, th- there are just some folks who need to understand that there are consequences to your action, thus, the uh, title of this series. Um, I, I am amused at how Storm and Black Panther's relationship has just disintegrated. You know, so much so that he is having his people fire on her as she comes to Wakanda to help. Yeah, she is a criminal in Wakanda. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to guess that you know that's going to be rough talking about that in marriage counseling. Just saying.
3: Well, he had their marriage annulled, so we're good. Yeah, they're not married anymore. Well, I, I, I just, I think it's hard to come back from. You know, I'm, I, th- it's not a bad epilogue. But I believe it's an eight. Oh no, it's mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a five-issue miniseries weekly. I don't I, know. It seems like it's not a bad read, pro, you know, mostly because it's written by Kieran Gillen. But it seems a lot of. It, it seems like it's unnecessary. See, we got I a lot of similar be, scenes in other books. I, I would I agree. Think this is
2: going to be the Cyclops story, though, and I'm kind of torn about. Do I like the idea of them just throwing him in general population, or do I hate the idea? And I'm not sure which it is yet.
0: What I hate about it is why do we automatically have to dump a guy where he's going to be abused in prison? You know, I I just don't think that any anybody involved in this would allow that kind of thing to happen. And why didn't they leave him in the ruby quartz thing? It seemed like they went through such a uh, you know uh, complicated procedure to imprison him at the end of avx yeah. by creating this whole ruby quartz containment cell for him and then no no we're just going to put you in this helmet and in this inhibitor thing and put you in general population
2: it was such a waste of taxpayer dollars yeah if this were
0: ultimate cap he would never let that happen that's right that's right i just i, I so yeah that kind of annoys me a little bit and i just i don't i hate that just automatic hey let's you know guys in prisons let's show him being abused one thing i kind of it
2: bothers me about the whole AVX and uh, the crossover here now is I really liked Hope when they did Second Coming and I liked Hope when she was in the uh, the Cable series leading up to it and I dislike Hope's character now she was an interesting character, she was a cool looking character too and it's just every time I see her on the panel now it just bugs me because she's got no real character, she's just Kind of comes off like a whiny little brat.
3: Apparently, I'm the only one that thinks that. <laughs> I don't know if I was ever a fan of Hope to really agree or disagree, to be honest with you.
2: She was so good in the Cable series before Second Coming. And in Second Coming, she was pretty good, too. But that Cable series, they really developed the character, and they made her something interesting. And she's not now. She's a flat thing that's just on the page. Well, so what I- you're
3: saying is she needs a boob job. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So uh, it, uh, are either of y'all picking up the second issue? I don't know. I'm gonna flip through it and see. I, I haven't made up my mind if I like Cyclops in general population or not. I do agree it's ridiculous that they, you know, that the Avengers would put him somewhere where he's going to be tortured. But right,
3: uh, I can say with 100% assurity, I will not be picking up the second issue. Not that I hated the first issue. I just don't care. Yeah, and that's and my I, thing. I is if, <laughs> and I appreciate that you know. We're,
0: we're seeing the consequences of Scott's actions. I just don't want to be, see the consequences of Scott's actions. Him being, you know, in Oz, you know, and uh, you know, because I'm sure that what will happen in issue two or perhaps three is him getting ass raped in the kitchen. So, you know, by Addybeesee with that little hat off the side of his head. So,
3: <laughs> yeah, I look forward to that issue. <laughs> that, that'll be in USA Today.
0: That's right, and then perhaps uh, somebody will, uh, you know, knock him out and then shit on his chest. So, you know, that's a, that might be issue four. I've so. never seen Oz.
3: Have you never <laughs> seen
0: Oz? <laughs> I haven't either, and now I know that I don't want to. Oh yeah, yeah, you need to see it. <laughs> no, I don't. And just imagine, you know, Scott
3: Summers in, in, in Oz. Yeah. Uh, so. All good things must come to an end. And this week, issue 611 of Fantastic Four, the second final issue in two years (laughs) for this title, um, came out. It's also the finale of Jonathan Hickman's run on Fantastic Four. He still has one issue of FF left. Um, And this basically wraps up. um, At the end of the big Jonathan Hickman storyline, Doctor Doom was stranded uh, in an alternate reality with two infinity gauntlets from other realities and um, this basically explains what dr doom did with the power of two infinity gauntlets aaron you read this i i have to say i'm sad that hickman's leaving the book i uh
0: i i have really enjoyed hickman's run uh throughout fantastic four um but i gotta say i felt like there was a lot of build-up to the whole parliament of doom um you know, in the in the earlier pages of this series, and I don't think the payoff was big enough for what we were promised.
3: I think Hickman should have spent more time less time on Dunham Ones and more time making this Parliament of Doom thing an epic storyline. Yeah. because uh, trying to wrap it all up in one issue. So you're telling me the final issue the final issue of the first volume of Fantastic Four, the second final issue of the first, <laughs> first volume of Fantastic Four doesn't even feature most of the Fantastic Four, it yeah. only has Richards. Reed, yeah, Reed Richards in it. You know, you don't even see the other characters. So that was a big bummer for me. I would have yeah. much rather had a done-in-one that dealt with, you know, this storyline could have happened five issues ago. Well, and the, and the way the story is told,
0: you're never really in the moment. It's all very narrated at you. You know, it's <laughs> told, you know, as if the story happened some time ago. Mm-hmm. And you know while you've got some some very interesting pages I mean I think that the pages are are well drawn and laid out by Ryan Stegman um you never really feel like you're in the moment that that you know we talk about all the tension in Batman number 13 and there's no emotional risk here because everything is narrated from so far away Know, I don't know if you felt that or not, but I certainly did. I didn't uh, like
3: the way it was done. I didn't. I mean, I love Jonathan Hickman. I did yeah. not like the way this issue was written. Well, and it just seemed like it was like, oh crap! I need to hurry
0: up and resolve my Parliament of Doom thing, um, and it was just it was just so fast, you know. Yeah. And, and so you you while well, you had a nice moment or two between Val and Reed, and between Reed and his father. Um, you did you never had any emotional risk inside the
3: story because of the way the story was told and that was my frustration with it yeah and maybe we'll get that with the ne- with the final issue of FF but ultimately it just it was a lackluster ending to a story that I was kind of interested in um, and I just uh, I, like yeah. I said I wish I would have pre- I would have preferred the Wakandan storyline was great but some of these done in ones um, like the, the storyline with I know he's trying to wrap up all his loose ends, right? But I think this was—it went out with a whimper, not yeah. a bang. But there, there was there was some fantastic dialogue in this book, though.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, you've got uh, you know Reed Richards, his father, and grown-up Val heading back to Latveria um, to you know go rescue Doom, and so Reed is like, um, I was told Victor was dead; that he died buying us time. And grown-up Val says, "Well, who told you that?" He says, well, you did, Val, younger Val. She goes, well, trust me when I tell you that you shouldn't always trust me. I'm not the most consistently honest person in the world, especially at that age. <laughs> and so, le- so later she says, you know, uh, well, you should trust me. And he says, I thought you said don't trust you. She says, well, sometimes you should. So sometimes I should and sometimes I shouldn't. Is that right? It seems a bit imprecise. And she responds
3: with. What can I say, Dad? Parenting's tough. Suck it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean there, it, it, it's okay. I, I should clarify. It's not a bad issue. It is a bad final issue. I agree. Um, you know, I, especially given that Hickman is good at payoff. Yeah. So it just it, this just didn't pay off the way I was hoping to. And if he had more time, I think he would have done more with the Parliament of Doom storyline. Now, you know. Matt Fraction and Mark Bagley are picking
0: up with the new Fantastic Four number 1 in November. Mm -hmm. Now, recently, Matt Fraction has written a book that I very much enjoy, which is the Hawkeye series. Um, I don't know if I'm going to pick up the new series.
3: Did either of your comic shops get the Marvel Now preview book?
0: Um, It was not in my bag, so I'm going to say no.
3: They Um, got it, but I didn't get it. It's a free it's had like 2 to 4 pages of all the new Marvel Now books that have been announced thus far. Um in, including the Fantastic 4 by Mark Bagley and uh, uh Matt Fraction. It I'm going to give the first issue a shot. Mm-hmm. I mean it doesn't it doesn't look bad. Uh, even FF seems kind of interesting as a concept. So I mean, it, I'm on board for the first issue. I'm on board for the first issue of a lot of Marvel now titles, um, including one that we're going to get to here in a couple of minutes. But uh, again, yeah, you know, I'm sad to see Jonathan Hickman go from Fantastic Four, um, but I, I'm I'm looking forward to something new. Also, mm-hmm. I think he said what he had to say with the Fantastic Four, and I think unfortunately we we saw a little, we saw some some of his most lackluster work on the title after he said what he had to say. I agree. I agree. So,
0: well, what about Scarlet Spider number 10, Wayne?
2: I love this book. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I thought I was going to dislike the storyline because I've never been a big fan of the microverse. Uh, I haven't read that many stories. It's not that I hate the microverse. Right. It's just that I don't know much about it, and I, I don't care about it immediately going in.
0: I was reluctant to pick up Minimum Carnage Alpha, which came out last week, uh, until I learned that the Prometheus Pit was involved and that we would be making a trip to the Microverse. And then I was all in, because <laughs> that loves me some
2: Microverse. Yeah, this story so far – I mean I, I didn't want a big crossover. I didn't want a crossover with Venom, but you know what? I've loved every page of both Minimum Carnage and this uh, first – regular issue
0: crossover scarlet spider versus venom scarlet spider number 10 did you take a look at any of the augmented reader for minimum carnage i didn't i didn't either i was just curious if if you had um you know the you've got uh flash thompson in his guise as agent venom yeah and and this is the first time i've actually really
2: been interested in that i've never cared about flash as venom but and now I'm kind of
0: curious if maybe I've been missing out on a good book. There are some some good issues in that series. Um, I, I I like Flash as Venom, um, and then you've got Kane as uh, you know the Scarlet Spider. And there is a moment in issue ten that I find so amusing because you know these are two men whose lives have been shaped by Peter Parker, you know profoundly influenced by Peter Parker slash the Amazing Spider Man. And, you know, they're, uh, they're talking about responsibility and, you know, uh, Scarlet Spider says, makes a comment like, yeah, I know this idiot who just always goes on and on about responsibility. And, you know, Flash has the complete opposite you know, perspective on that, stating that, uh, you know, yeah, there's a great man who goes on about you know, responsibility and, you know, neither of whom understanding that they're both talking about the same guy.
2: Yeah, I thought that scene was great. I love the uh, – like, I hate hero meets hero when they fight, typically, mm-hmm. except it made sense here. It's part of the uh, the storyline. Flash is losing control of the Venom symbiote for some reason.
0: See, and I think I know why. I think he's losing control of the symbiote because Kane is a clone, and he's, he's reacting to what he thinks is Peter Parker.
2: That's my theory as well. I yeah. kind of – I thought the
0: uh, – the costume was trying to get to to Kane. Yeah, but yeah, I dug it. I dug it, and I, I I enjoy what we're seeing inside the microverse. You know, we got Commander Ron, we got Marionette, we got Bug. You know, the only thing that that it, it, the only thing that makes me sad every time we go to the microverse is uh, that we don't get to see the Micronauts because uh, Marvel does no longer has the uh, rights to that property. Because it would be great to see a Croyer out there and Biotron. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that these weren't brand new characters. To be honest, no. These these are uh C- Commander Ron, Bug, and uh, uh, Marionette were all part of the original Micronaut series, but they were uh, original creations that Marvel made. They weren't toys, it, though. Uh, Bug was loosely based on uh, Galactic Warrior, so. But yeah, so far this is a great
2: crossover, and it's it makes me interested in Venom. Yeah, I dug it. I dug it.
0: So uh a little book uh called uh, Uncanny Avengers came out this week. Cuz those Avengers, they're uncanny. And uh Paul. Yeah. When'd you think of that of those Uncanny Avengers?
3: I thought they were uh, mediocre Avengers. No, they were uncanny. You you read that wrong. Oh, okay. Let me let me double check. No. No, i just (laughs) reread it and it's still mediocre um i i i I like rick remender i like john cassidy i don't think either one was on top of their game for this issue um i thought there were some good moments i liked wolverine uh at professor x's funeral Uh, i loved the last page which we'll probably talk about at length here in a second um, other than that, I did not care for it. I didn't like the, the conversation between Cap, Thor, and Havoc. Um, I thought the book was very disjointed because they're talking. You know, Cap, Thor – Cap and Thor are like, come have a coffee. And uh, Thor's like, the place we go also makes lattes. But then they go to Avengers Mansion. And then they're sitting in Avengers Mansion. they do make at- lattes there. But they're sitting in an Avengers mansion, and all of a sudden, there's like a big thing outside. And I'm like, wait, is this happening simultaneously? But all of a sudden, they run out. They run to the battle. I'm like, okay, so they were in Avengers mansion, and this happens at the same time, so they ran out. I I felt that the storytelling was lacking. There wasn't much flow to bringing those two stories together, I felt. Um, And then you had. Wanda and Rogue getting into a fight at Xavier's grave, and they're confronted by these ridiculous villains. I will say uh, that the villains were a little ridiculous. I mean, it, totally ridiculous, and and the narration. I, I'm just going to give you a little little taste here. Your foul gifts fail as you suffer the gaze of the goat faced girl. Yeah. No mutant shall escape <laughs> the anger of my living wind. And the living wind actually says, "I live to attack." Uh, my cassandra toxin will end the threat they refuse to see i'm like what What you you missed uh, here
2: you missed i suffer the insect unto myself for the good of
3: all men (laughs) i mean i'm like what what is this is ridiculous um I, i i i i i thought it was stupid i i did not care for this issue i didn't hate it like i said there were some good moments overall i thought it was um It's not the book I would have started my Marvel Now initiative with because I think they're – first of all, it's too tied into what came before. It is not new reader-friendly. It is not that new reader-friendly. And um, I think it's too weird. I think it's just too out there. So – Unlike Paul, I really
2: enjoyed it, except for the whole Rogue and uh, Scarlet Witch thing.
0: Well, I, I felt I felt like if they hadn't been interrupted, they would have kissed. <laughs> it might
2: have been more interesting then. A- absolutely. No, I disliked the Rogue Scarlet Witch. And I like com- you know basically their conversation, their interaction. I disliked the uh, you know the villains that attack them. Other than that, though, I enjoyed the book. I loved. Seeing that uh, Avalanche basically was lobotomized and had some piece of equipment put into his brain. Yeah. And then goes and attacks. Uh, the Havoc conversation, one thing bothered me about that. So they're talking about how Havoc is, you know, he has a clean past. Right. <laughs> Havoc was labeled a traitor or a terrorist. Havoc led in during the X Factor run a while back. He led a group called the Brotherhood that was seen as terrorists. They attacked, like, trains and things. That's not a clean past. So that that bothered me some because I really liked those storylines. But, you know, I like the lobotomized thing. The last page that, we, uh, that Paul hinted on, that's what sold me on the next issue. Well, that was a literal jaw-dropping, holy shit moment that is – I – I never saw that one coming completely out of nowhere, and I'm shocked that they actually did it.
0: Well, I was uh, listening to a Marvel press conference uh, talking about Marvel now and specifically Uncanny Avengers number one. And, you know, uh, Tom Brevoort and uh, Rick Remender were in this press conference, and they were talking about the villain of the piece, which, you know, we, we haven't revealed until just this very moment is Red Skull. And uh, he's the guy that you see, you know, lobotomizing uh, Avalanche and removing a uh, brain from a mutant on uh, the last page of this book. One of the things that really bothered me about what they said was that, you know, our, our goal in this, you know, series of Uncanny Avengers is really to turn, you know, the Red Skull, Red Skull into an A-list villain that's, you know, capable of being a genuine threat to the Marvel Universe. Did did anybody not notice that you know Red Skull's the guy who got Captain America killed? Um, Did anybody not notice that he that that uh, uh, Ed Brubaker has been writing you know nonstop Red Skull stories for you know years now? Um, Red Skull seems to be a pretty bad dude. I don't think he really needs rehabilitation. I, I, I was grossly offended by that. Well, I think what they're meaning is they want to up his power level
2: because I still yeah, Red Skull has been uh, shown as being very powerful
0: with some of these stories. I don't see him beating Thor. Well, if he's got a cosmic cube in his hand, which you know, he is he's is always around a cosmic cube. That is Anyway, true. I just it, it bugged me because they weren't talking about power level. What they were talking about was, you know, being a, a more of a Marvel universe threat. And I'm sorry, I, you know, he's had his hands in so much, he's manipulated so much. You know, I, I think Red Skull's a threat to anybody that, that he challenges because, you know, he is such a tactician. You know, it's not just him and a gun. You know, it's him and you know a giant secret organization. So I just you know I was a little annoyed by that I, I do like that he's the villain in this book and I think it'll make it for a very interesting read I do find the uh you know combining of mutants to superheroes on the the Avengers team interesting so I'm kind of I I I'm I'm in for this I didn't have the same reaction that Paul did I you know with the exception of some of the ridiculous villains in this book I truly dug it Yeah I mean I do think
2: I remember reading it. I was thinking I was enjoying it. and It was good, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like hitting me over the head that I had to get issue two until that last page. That yeah. last page was still, you know, if we have a, uh, you know, a funnies for this year category of you know most shocking moments, mm-hmm. that to me I don't think I can't think of how anything would possibly beat that. And then we had two moments like that this week. You know when we go back to Batman as well. Right. So, yeah. yeah well, you I, know what? Uh, this yeah. was it. This was my jaw-dropping moment where I, I literally went into email and just emailed you guys saying, "Holy shit!" Yeah.
3: yeah. But you know who won the jaw-dropping draw, moment of 2000 or the holy shit moment of 2011? Freaking Detective Comics number one. And look how that turned <laughs> out. You know, it, it's it's kind of one of these things that you know a, 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 a mediocre book with a great last page. And that's how I felt about this book. I felt there was a mediocre book with a great last page. I again I didn't hate it, but I, I was not impressed. I will give the second issue a shot, but it's just it doesn't seem like it's gonna stick with me. Yeah. And you know what, given that there's like twenty Marvel Now books or twenty six new Marvel Now books, I'm sure I'll get my Avengers fix elsewhere. You know, and the characters that are specific to this book, like Scarlet Witch, Havoc and Rogue I could give a shit about it anyway. So. so, so are you? Uh, uh,
2: see, I disagree. There, I'm a you, big Rogue and a big Havoc fan. I are don't you care out of the book, Paul?
3: Much. Are you not? I'm on the for the second show? issue. Okay, just the second. Unless the second issue turns my opinion around, I'm just on for the second issue. All right. Well, I dug it. I, I, I'm all in for number two. Did your um? Here. Did your comic shop do anything big for it? No. my comic okay. shop did the Uncanny Avengers Marvel Now party. Uh huh. And apparently there were cupcakes. There were Avengers cupcakes, and um, I got like a little print thing of uh, the baby Uncanny Avengers written by Scotty Young. Mm. Yep,
2: they had that at my shop. I didn't get it because I didn't want it. And then they had the cupcakes.
3: Oh, the cupcakes were awesome. I had, I had a Captain America cupcake. Did it taste like freedom? It tasted like justice.
2: If it were ultimate, it would have been a presidential
0: cupcake. Yeah. With okay. a seal on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we've got a little bit of a contest going on right now on the website. Okay. Yeah, we're giving away eight volumes of The Walking Dead. No, we're not. Yeah, we are. And we had, this, had conversa- this conversation last Yeah. Week. Hey, come on, Paul. Sorry. Get with the program. Get with the program. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, we're giving away eight volumes of The Walking Dead. All you got to do is uh, go on to the website, follow the rules there. There'll be a link on the uh, on the show notes. Or you can call us and uh, leave your answer on the Ideology of Madness hotline. So, you know, a couple of different ways to enter. And uh, one lucky winner will win eight volumes, the first eight volumes of uh, The Walking Dead, which is pretty darn exciting because, you know, The Walking Dead premieres this weekend, so you know when you're listening to this, it will have already premiered the second part of the second season. Is that right? That is that is what correct. this is? This is the second yeah. part of the second season.
2: No, I get confused. The- no, this is the first part of the third. Okay, I get confused. You know, there's.
0: No, I, I am
2: excited about the pre the premiere, and I am incredibly excited that they uh, a certain role is being filled by Christopher Eccleston this season. For any Doctor Who fans, that's.
0: Yeah, uh, that's- that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like Christopher Eccleston a lot. Or if you're a fan of Heroes.
2: Yeah, he's. Joe. He is a very good actor that can do a variety of roles.
0: Yeah, I like him. Fifth GI Joe. He, play, he plays crazy really good. Plays crazy really
3: good. So. I like that guy. So, you know what else is exciting?
0: What else is exciting, Paul?
3: I, I, I heard rumor there's a new podcast coming to ideologyofmadness.com. That is true. It's called Three Beers and a Scotch.
0: And it is a uh, uh,
3: three beers in the scotch. I thought the original title was two beers. The and original scotch. title was two
0: beers in the scotch, and we thought that that was that was good enough. That uh, wouldn't three beers make it that much better? So it's it's three beers in the scotch, and uh, it will drop to the feed later this week. Uh, it is a a uh, guy discussion show and a beer and scotch review show. So uh, if you're if you're remotely interested, tune in. It's kind of fun. Who are the hosts? Uh, myself, uh, uh, a fellow named Mark that I used to host another podcast with, and uh, El Dos. So three guys uh, for this show. The third slot will rotate, uh, so we'll, we'll have different folks in, but the but the core is myself
3: and uh, Mark. So three beers and a scotch this week. Ideology of Madness. Very exciting. Woo! Aaron's an alcoholic. I am. Now next week. Cyberforce number one, free Cyberforce number one comes out. I don't care. What? I'm gonna get it. It's free. (laughs) Even free. I don't care. Shinku number five. Shinku. (laughs) Shinku. Mighty Thor number twenty one. The conclusion of Matt Fraction's run on the title. Tim. Tim will be reading that with me. Now, is anyone going to get Marvel Now point one? I didn't know that there was a Marvel Now. Point. Yeah, I didn't know there was either. It's got—it's essentially you know how they do these anthology books that preview all the upcoming titles. Yeah,
0: is it going to cost me money, Paul? It's going to cost you six bucks. I uh, knew no. that would be a big negative.
3: I will probably be picking it up. We'll see. It has a preview of Young Avengers. It's got a preview of a bunch of stuff. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. No, thank you.
3: I'll let you know how it is.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm sure you will
3: all right guys well good chat
0: all right well uh nice chatting with you boys uh you know uh tim had to leave early because he had places to be so uh there you go
3: well aaron i'm I'm sure that you are fiending for another drink so we will let you get back (laughs) to your (laughs) i gotta get get back to my beverages you gotta get my drinks on By the time the podcast comes out, it'll be three beers, a scotch, a Bloody Mary, a mimosa, (laughs) and a bottle of wine. There you go. All right. See you guys later. Bye.
0: Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.